This is Marvel 616 Politics with Jared Mayo and Andy Kirby. I owe you an apology for our listeners out there. Uh, I owe Jared an apology. He actually did not say Jared Mayo last, <laughs> last time. I dubbed that in. He said it later on. If you listen to the end of the, the podcast, you can see that or hear that. But I dubbed that in, and I called him over the week, and he was like, oh, are you recording this? And I was like, oh, no trust. But I... I, I <laughs> I figured out that I need to earn that trust, so I owe you an apology. I'm sorry about that. You there? Hey, man. Hey. Is it your I weather? I so offended, I just hung up. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> How you been? How was this week? Uh, it was all right. had a lot of training at work, and uh, so I'm really fine on my actual work. But it's nice to be out of the center for a while. The training was at a different location? Yeah, I was in a new building without teachers there, so it was great. I didn't have to, you know, deal with anything. They all had to take care of it themselves. So. <laughs> it was nice to just chill. Was, <laughs> were there any major blow-ups that they had to come running and said, well, if you were here, we wouldn't have had this? <laughs> no, no, it just proves that they're, they're all grown adults and they can do it. Well, that's good. That's what... That's what we want our teachers to be so that we can teach our kids to be like that. <laughs> what about you? I heard you had some stuff going on this week. Uh, Yeah, just trying to get on top of things. You know, still easing into the supervisor role, trying to, trying to feel it out without stepping on anybody's toes. So I'll just leave it at that. It was, it was all right. It was all right. I can't go, I can't go into too much detail. Crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep it broad. Yeah, yeah. Very ambiguous. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's give out our contact information here. I have news for you, which I did tell you over the week, but our listeners were not privy to yet. And this, I am so excited about this. All right. You can find us on our website at marvel616politics.com. You can email us, which we got one email, at marvel616politics at gmail.com. And we have a new voicemail number. So if any of you listeners out there, you know, wrote ours down, this one you don't even have to write down. It's so easy to remember, okay? It's 616-755-TINA. That's right, 616-755-TINA. Oh, it's the melding of the world. Jared, I felt like I met you halfway here. You could not have picked a better phone number. I think it's great. I think it's great. It's somewhere in Michigan. I own you, Michigan. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> that's close enough to you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we don't have to drive that far to pick up our voicemail, so it's fine. Well, what is this? We got an email. 
Oh, yes, we did. Okay, out of all the things we talked about last time, this listener picked up on one thing, one detail, okay? Nothing that has to do with comics. All right, this is from Interstellar Machine out there, whoever you may be. Uh, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter, and he's Interstellar Mac. And it's I-N-T-E-R-S-T-E-L-L-A-R-M-A-C. So at Interstellar Mac, you can follow him out there. Give him a plug. All right, I'll read the email. Yo, heard on Jared Mayo episode that you are converting YouTube videos to MP3s. How do you do this? Thanks. P.S. Love the podcast. So out of everything we talked about, this individual, <laughs> this individual was like, what? YouTube videos to MP3? I have to know. So it prompted somebody <laughs> to actually write it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give the answer here on the show. I have a program called Any Video Converter. Uh, if anybody wants this program, I'll send it to you because the latest edition of this program is not free. You have to pay for it. It's like a free trial. But the one I have is free. So you can convert anything, but... It downloads the, the YouTube video into MP4 and then changes it into MP3. So, Anyway, that's what I use uh, if I don't have the, uh, the Tina, the Tina Award music that we play. If I don't have that particular one, I go to YouTube, make sure it's the one with the craziest hair, download it, and then convert <laughs> it to MP3. <laughs> because you can, you can hear the hair through. The song. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, see, when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was that hairdo. It's fantastic. <laughs> my favorite, okay, my favorite hairdos of Tina's are the ones where she stops walking on the stage and the hair keeps going. So, like, then it has, like, a, <laughs> then it has, like, a recoil effect and then comes back. But you know what? I, I have to admit to you, all right, I have caught myself several times in these t past two weeks humming or singing Tina songs. It's addicting. It's now, now you're starting to buy into why the obsession has occurred. <laughs> I'm actually scared for myself. <laughs> it's, it, it may be addictive. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe it's... What do you find yourself humming most often? Yeah, I tried to ask myself that, and I, I, uh, I think it's what you get is what you see. What you get is what you see. So what I, you see is what you get? No, no, no. What you get is what you see, right? Am I yes, wrong? Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Okay, oh, you're right. For a what second, you get is what you see. I'm sorry. Oh, and hey, I got a bone to pick with you. One of the uh, the Tinas you gave out was missing you, and it was yes. it was because you were missing Storm. But yes. the song is ain't missing you, right? Well, the song is is called Missing You. Right. Just Missing You. It was originally recorded by John Waite in 1984. But the lyrics is it's this person is singing, you know, I ain't missing you at all. But if you listen to the verses, it's talking about how much you really are missing somebody. Oh. But the, the, the chorus is trying to say, you know, no matter what, I'm, I ain't missing you at all since you've been gone. But it's really, it's, it's an oxymoron. It's the opposite. Oh, oxymoron, huh? Sort of like a good ju <laughs> juxtaposition. <laughs> Pulling out. <all> the <laughs> We're going to pull out all the stops on this one. 
Well, okay. Uh, I'm glad you cleared that up. I, I thought to myself, you know what, there's got to be a reason why. And that's why I put it in there. I wasn't going to be like, no, I'm not going to take away his Tina Award because if anybody knows Tina Turner, it's our good friend Jared Mayo. So, well, yeah, when I was listening to it, I realized, you know, it is going to come off a lot different because it says, I ain't missing you at all. And then I'm like, I miss Storm. And it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. But I was just going with the title of the song. I gotcha. I wasn't sure what to do about that, but I tried to make it so that you could hear it once and then it would, like, fade out. So I really put a lot of thought into that. And I was, you know, it was kind of like. Do a, you do a wonderful job with the podcast. Oh, thank, thank you. Oh, go on. Go on. No, really. Keep going. <laughs> well, today, well, well, what's going on with your family? How's uh, how's Miss Jennifer? Did she did she learn any great recipes, and has she shared those with you? Well, not this week. She had her birthday this week. Oh, the big quarter of a century. Wow, the two five. I remember it well. I know. Now she. I remember those days, <laughs> those good years. But yeah, so she's been pretty busy this week. She had her birthday and been doing a lot of stuff with work. So I got to see her for about 25 minutes on her birthday. We're so busy. That's terrible. That's nah, all right. It's just once you hit 20, like everything else, just any birthday just becomes another day. You know, like yeah, great, one year closer to death. <laughs> you know, it's not that exciting. <laughs> Is there a set time of? Is there a set year that you're going to die? <laughs> well, I mean, you're just it's just another day. It's not like you get these awesome presents when you were a kid. You just yay! I'm older. I've got more wrinkles. More stuff hurts. That's awesome. Me, I keep adding chins. <laughs> <laughs> I looked in the I looked in the mirror recently, and I was like, Oh, Jackie, I have, I have a double chin. And she looked. She was like, Let me see. She was like. It's okay. Instead of no, you don't. <laughs> I was like, yeah, thanks, thanks, Jackie. <laughs> but now, Andy, if she would have said that to you, and you have said, "Ah, it's okay," you would have been in trouble, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. No, you are, you are corrupt. You're right. I mean, there's guys and girls. I don't I don't understand girls. I better start because I got four of them in the house, so. <laughs> Better start quickly. They all piled into bed this morning, and they started saying that girls were better than boys. And I was like, where, where is this coming from? Well, she's four years old. Why is she like, Dad, girls are better than boys? Just FYI. I didn't know if you knew that, but they're, they're better. Like, oh, thanks. Thanks, kiddo. Oh, I got news for you. We watched the first two episodes of um, Superhero Squad. Oh, wonderful! What what was the consensus? What did you guys think? Um, I Jackie had a face, and I was like, "Well, what's wrong?" And she was like, "Well, are they gonna have bad dreams?" I was like, "This is a kid's show." She's like, "Well, we'll see if they have bad dreams." I was like, "You're too skeptical, too cynical." And then um, it did spur on a lot of conversation. Where you know why is this dragon shooting fire? I didn't know dragons could have fire in their mouth. That's what Felicity asked me. I said, dragons don't exist. She's like, I, I know that, but I didn't know they could shoot fire from their mouth. <laughs> okay. She was like, now the blue monster, and then like we had company over last night, and she was like, we watched this show, and it had a green monster and a blue monster, and it had a brown monster with a lot of heads, and I like, you know, 
I was like, it was it was a cartoon, guys. You know, I don't know what this other family's thinking. <laughs> yeah, they let their kids watch monster movies. We're like, great. But anyway, they they enjoyed it, and we I like the second one better. It's what made an impact if they're still talking about it days okay. later. The uh, cleaning lady was at the office, and so she's leaving. Well, hey, does she want to get in on this? Man, I I don't know. Tough to say, but from just from her appearance, she's not wearing any Marvel clothing, nor any Marvel red. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I got my bracelet on. It's Marvel red. I mean, it's a St. Jude's bracelet, but, you know, it's still Marvel red. <laughs> well, so if the girls are still talking about it a couple of days later, it must have made some kind of impact on them. Yes, it did. I, I think Jackie, she didn't like the fact that Dr. Doom says hate, because we don't really say that, which I can understand. Uh, you know, it may be a little bit picky for some of our listeners out there, but I, I can understand that. Uh, we, you know, sure. we try to we try to teach her that the only thing that God hates sin, but that's it. Like we need to love everybody, and we don't say hate. You know, because obviously we want her to get along with her sisters. I hate Deidre. I think we, don't, awesome. we don't say that. So, well, I'm sorry. No, I think that's awesome. That's the right way to to do it. Yeah, definitely. So you know, there was that, and and she. Uh, Felicity didn't ask, you know, why did he say hey? So that was that was good because I didn't really want it to be brought to Jackie's attention. She was like, "Do you have more? Do you have more? Did you get on that work?" Oh, and I was like, "Yeah, but I gotta <laughs> I gotta talk to mom to see, you know, it was a nice thing because because I mean when you have kids like, well I mean I'm I'm assuming you will do this too, but you start like reevaluating everything you watch and you're like, mm, Shrek, I don't know that kind of had some risque parts in it so like yeah. they've seen that movie twice and they always ask for it and we're like uh no you know I don't think so it, it's one of those things a lot of the Disney stuff too yeah well I mean I told Have you, you why that? I, I, don't, I don't like the Disney stuff anyway I told you why because of the parents children thing anyway but what are you talking about well, yeah we did talk about that with Nemo didn't we yes good memory sir that was our first podcast. Was it really? <laughs> I didn't remember. Oh, those were the days, Andy. Oh, my, yes. Way here in episode six. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, I was like, if we make it to episode 10, which I'm assuming we will, unless you have another birthday and then you're one you know, year closer to death, we'll <laughs> then we will be doing this for about half a year. And I was like, wow, that's that's awesome. But then I thought to myself... Ten, come on, get off your high horse. Ten episodes, really. <laughs> well, you know, this this one we're cranking out pretty quickly. We usually go about three weeks in between, and this one's just two weeks. Yes, I told Miss Jacqueline that I would be recording again. She said, what? Didn't you just do that? And she's like, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> No, but she had a she had a great attitude this morning. I was like, it won't take that long. She said, oh, you take as much time as you want and talk, and you have fun with your friends. And I was like, what what's going on here? Where are where are we? What year is shopping? <laughs> I'm glad she's supportive. That's awesome. Oh, she is. She knows that I have a a love affair with comics. Well, and speaking of kind of along those lines, from your Facebook, it looks like she kind of has a a love affair with with um something that we in the geek community, you know, also have a, a love of that she was kind of embarrassed to that uh that was let out. She was extremely embarrassed, my friend. And <laughs> <laughs> she 
she came home and she said, "You put that on Facebook. How dare you?" <laughs> um, we are we are talking about Star Trek, and more specifically, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I I I talked her into watching a, a Star Trek series with me, and I said, "Look." I know we're watching Lost. I know we're watching, and we pick a series. We don't we don't really watch TV, but we've been following a couple series. And so I said, "Would you ever consider watching a Star Trek series with me?" And she said, "Yeah, yeah." So I was like, "Okay, I got one shot at this. One shot. It's got to be the best series that she would like." So Deep Space Nine. I don't know if you've have you watched that one? No, I'm not into Star Trek. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I just thought it was really cool that Jackie was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, Deep Space Nine is one of the more soap opera E1s, but it's got love interests, but it also has this major political and social thing going on with a, with a giant war. The whole thing is centered around this one character who finds his, uh, his home world, and those people start a war with um you know earth and the vulcans if you're if you're into all this sort of stuff and uh so it was really an intense episode and they were about to retake the station which is deep space nine that's the name of the space station they're about to retake the station the good guys and it's to be continued and jackie's like well we gotta watch the next one I was like, well, I don't, I don't have the next one. I didn't know this was a two-parter. She said, you don't have the next one. Are you serious? I was like, well, not on. I mean, it's it's on the hard drive at work. I, I, you know. And she said, well, we'll download it right now. I was like, babe, if I, it's it's 10:30. If I download it now, it's gonna take like an hour, and then 11:30, and then by the time we're done watching it, I was like, I, I can't. I gotta go to work tomorrow. I can't do this. And she said, okay, fine, download it now, and we're going to wake up tomorrow at 6, and we're going to watch it. I was like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you want me to wake you up at 6 o'clock to watch Star Trek? <laughs> and she was like, I can't, I, you just don't touch me, okay? And she went to the other room. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And uh, so I posted on Facebook. I said, man, she's mad that I don't have the next episode. What have I done? <laughs> what have I created? <laughs> anyway. That's hilarious. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was funny. She was, she was so cute. It was, it was pretty intense. So. And did you guys get up to watch the episode? No, I did not download it. I said, this is ridiculous. Because the, the next day she's going to be like, no, I can wait. <laughs> I need sleep. <laughs> I mean, those, those kids run a ragged. I'll give her that. Anyway, um, oh, congratulations to Jim and Pam, if any of you are office viewers out there. They got married this past week. Yeah, I also saw your Facebook. You had a quote about that, that they reminded you a lot of your wedding. Yes, except the very important difference is Pam was pregnant when they got married, and Jacqueline was not. <laughs> she was pregnant about 24 hours after the wedding, so... <laughs> so there's a big difference. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. I'm glad Man, you cleared that up. If well, it's very important to me. If, yes, it is. If if Jackie listens to this episode, oh man, she she's gonna be mad. <laughs> I can't believe you said all that. Oh, you know what? I almost guarantee that she won't. Has Jennifer listened to any of these? She only listens to the parts I tell her to. 
Okay. So you so you actually like go listen to the Tinas, and she'll sometimes listen to the beginning, but otherwise she just nods her head and like, all right, you, you enjoy your little fun. <laughs> so she listens to the Tinas. Is she? Uh, does she hum Tina? I mean, is she? Have she you indoctrinated Tina all day long? Really? You what? You've indoctrinated her, much like I've indoctrinated Jackie to Star Trek. Yes, but see, the thing is, we'll get around other people, and she's like, all she does is scream. I don't really care for her voice. I don't like it. And then we're at home, and she's like, put on Typical Mail. I want to listen to that one again. <laughs> She'll be like singing Private Dancer, walking up the stairs. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't be double-minded, woman. <laughs> Jackie does not talk about Star Trek in public. <laughs> so that, I, I can understand that. <laughs> All right, well, today today we are talking about all things Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man. This month, I believe next week, Web of Spider-Man comes out, Web of Spider-Man number one, I think volume two. Just in case we didn't get enough Spider-Man per month, they've thrown out this extra book, which I believe is a monthly. So it should be interesting to see how that plays into our um, amazing titles, which comes out three times a month. Three three issues of Spider-Man a month is enough for me. But hey, if if uh, if Marvel can can give us some good stories and make some more money, sure, throw another one out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I think. Here's my theory. All right, Marvel is putting out another Deadpool title. So we have Deadpool, Deadpool Merc with a Mouse, and now Deadpool Team Up. And all three of these are monthly. And they said wait a minute, Spider-Man is like one of our flagship characters, and it comes out the same amount as Deadpool? No, put another one on. And they're like, well, what do we write about? And they said, it doesn't matter, just do it. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's what happened. Can you believe it? Three Deadpool titles a month? That's ridiculous. It's not going to last. It's, there's no way. It's overexposure it for a, a B-list character. It, I mean, he's B-list at best, I think. I mean, he's entertaining, and if he's if he's written well, you know that's good. But you know he's not in the same par as Wolverine. I, and I think it's just because of the movie. And he, it wasn't even the same character in the movie. But people love Deadpool. I mean, he has a huge following. And his first series, like you go to a comic con, and each individual issue is between five and fifteen bucks. Yeah, but comic I mean, series they, that didn't sell very well because he's just like he's come back and. And people just can't get enough Deadpool stuff. You look on, on eBay and Deadpool stuff is, like, very high. I, that's weird. I mean, I I enjoyed the, the Cable-verse Deadpool or Cable-Deadpool series, but that's because I enjoyed the character psyche into Cable and how he had a god complex. But mm-hmm. Deadpool was just like the Cable was the straight man and, and Deadpool was, you know, the funny man. Other than that, I didn't think it was that... That's fantastic. I think well, he's hey, a, since we're uh, go ahead. No, no, go on. Well, I was switching topics. You go on. <laughs> no, go ahead. We beat Deadpool to death. All right. Well, I was just going to say that you know, since we're doing a Spider-Man episode, and Spider-Man's kind of your guy, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how you got into Spider-Man? Because you kind of got into comics um, during your your late high. school during your high school years, I believe. So there was no Spider-Man cartoon, no X-Men cartoon. So what got you into Spider-Man, and and why is he the character for you? Okay, good question, good question. 
I'll try to formulate a, <laughs> a good answer. <laughs> well, of all the characters, he's not necessarily the, you know, the most outspoken or the most uh, pronounced or the coolest outfit or costume. In fact, you know, if it translates into real life, he probably has one of the dorkiest costumes in real life. Um, as we saw in the movie, which they did a good job, but, you know, it's one guy standing around in a full body suit. And it's like pajamas with footies, you know? So it wasn't that, but it, it definitely was the 95, 96 um, Spider-Man cartoon on Fox. And I remember waking up early, because it came on at 6.30, I believe, waking up early, going out, and trying to find a video that or a videotape that I couldn't record it on because I was trying I was trying to collect back then ridiculous so I was trying to record them and so I could watch them over and over again and it just fascinated me how he like how he swung from place to place and he was so agile and just how uh, tormented he was also and I, I always thought I know they say that he's the everyman and anybody can identify with him. And I think that goes on and off depending on who's writing and, and what the character traits are. But as I go back and watch those episodes, which now are on DVD and are not on VHS anymore, um, <laughs> we, I, I see that Peter Parker was totally tormented through the whole thing. And even in the beginning, he kind of had a, a temper in the cartoon, which I don't really see in the comics. But, like, things would things would press his buttons that would force him to act and he would he would have to do these things and he didn't want to so he's one of the superheroes that doesn't want to be a superhero but he has to be because with great power comes great responsibility and and that's the thing that caught me i you know when my dad asked me he was always very cautious about what we watched and and what we took in and i i appreciate that now as a parent but he was like well you know, what is this Spider-Man about? I was like, oh, well, he's got great values. You know, great come, with great power comes great responsibility. With, with what you can do means you also should do it. And he was like, oh, okay, well, that's good. And uh, so I really started thinking about that. And I really started thinking about, you know, if I can stand up for the little guy, then I should do it. And that there's, there's things that I shouldn't let happen in this world. And just a, instilled in me a... a a really big sense of justice, but also with lines that shouldn't be crossed. I really related to that, and then I wandered into the comic book store that one day, and I said, you know, uh, where should I start picking up Spider-Man? And the guy's like, oh, it's a new writer, Straczynski. It was volume two, number 30. And I picked it up, and that first, those first five issues, and then that sixth issue, number number 36, no, that seventh issue, number 36. I mean, that just encapsulated the whole thing. That captured the whole, what I had been feeling. Okay, so 30 through 35 is his fight with Moreland, right? And reading that, I was like, this guy, all he does out there is he tries to do good, and he tries to help people, and, and people hate him. And it's not like people hate the X-Men, because that's, they're racist, you know, and that's always the, the oppressed people. This is somebody who has a definition between good and bad, and people don't like how good he is because that makes them feel bad, like because they they feel guilty about what they do, you know. And I think that's why Jameson doesn't like him because he 
sure he's a reporter, but he's always you know some of the stuff he reports is not it isn't good, and, and the way they get it isn't good, and and you know he's got his own backstory and everything. But I think one of the reasons why he doesn't like Spider-Man is because Spider-Man stands for justice and what's good, and Spider-Man will never kill anybody. He's not going to cross that line. That's a huge deal. You know, he's a very moral, ethical individual. And and so those first six issues where he's fighting Moreland, I was like, this is ridiculous. Nobody's going to help him, and uh, except for Ezekiel, who he, he can't trust. He's fighting, and while he's fighting, he's saving people to make sure that no innocent people get hurt, and he's getting torn up, and the back of his costume's all ripped up, and all he wants to do is call Mary Jane, try to leave a message, and say, look, I love you, and I tried my best, and I'm, I'm going to have to say goodbye here because I'm going to die. And then, issue number 36, where he has all this power, but he can't do anything. And, of course, that's the 9-11 issue, for those of you that, that, that don't know, uh, the black cover issue. It's him going through the wreckage of 9-11, trying to help out where he can. And, man, that was just so touching to me because I had just started reading comics and I felt the exact same way in, at 9-11 because I was watching it on TV. You know, you see the towers go down and you see the smoke and you see people running and screaming for their lives and not knowing what's going on. And I missed the planes going into it. I, 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 it was too early in the morning. Uh, I didn't have the TV on. And, and so I missed all that. And I saw those people and then when I read that issue, I was like, this is how I felt. You know, like, I had the responsibility to do good, to be good and, and do good to my fellow man, but I didn't have the power, and he didn't have the power in that situation. He didn't have enough power, and yet he felt like his responsibility was bigger than himself. And I don't know, that just always struck a chord with me. And and then... um Amazing Spider-Man isn't even my favorite series. Uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man is my favorite because of issue number 35 where this little this little boy is imagining that he's Spider-Man's sidekick and he you know Spider-Man helps him out and and he's got a rough family life, his mom's a drug addict and he doesn't know where his dad is, but his uncle and aunt are trying or his aunt, I think, and then uh his aunt's boyfriend trying to help him out and adopt him and there's legal issues that that won't let an unmarried couple adopt or something in, in there. And so Spider-Man's the only one he can count on and it turns out when Spider-Man finally takes off his mask, it wasn't Spider-Man at all. It was a picture of sort of his uncle, you know, an, another man he could look up to and, and just like, I, I felt like, and this was before I had kids, but I felt like, you know what, when I have kids, I want them to think of me as somebody who they can always count on and always do right, no matter how hard it is and how tough it is, die doing the right thing. And like I said, that just that just stuck with me. And that's a, that's a huge part of why Spider-Man is, is my favorite out of everybody. There are other cool characters, like Wolverine obviously is cool, Captain America's cool, I dig the Winter Soldier, but... People look up to Spider-Man, and, and they always portray him in comics in the, in the Tangled Web, Spider-Man Tangled Web series. You know, kids were always looking up to him, watching the cartoons, reading the comics, playing with the toys and stuff in the, in the 616. Because he was always the good guy. And the common man always thought, well, he just wraps him up, there's no evidence, and so the criminals are just going to get back out of jail. They were very practical and cynical about the whole thing. 
But to a child, that defined sense of right and wrong, as you get older, things begin to gray. And that just makes life harder. But here was a hero who stood for what was right. So needless to say, uh, many of the stories that put him in moral quandaries or, and ethical dilemmas, I don't like a whole lot because, to me, his whole character is he, he's above board and he does the right thing no matter what, even during the tough choices. And so sometimes when I disagree with how Spider-Man reacts to something because the writer, his definition of right and wrong varies from my definition, then I, I don't like those issues. But I can understand where they're coming from and saying... Like, there was one, I don't know if you remember this, Tangled Web, uh, written by Brian Azzarello. He, like, let this bank robber, he robbed the bank, the guy died of, ca of cancer, but Spider-Man took that money. Instead of bringing it back to the bank, he brought it to the guy's daughter who needed surgery or else she was going to die. So, to me, the right thing would be to return the money to the bank, but he left that money on the on the on the windowsill or something so that she could have that surgery and I was like did this really happen I mean you know I know you're helping somebody out but you're not going about it the right way that's against the law there I mean it is wrong anyway that's just one example kind of went on there for a I while remember that. no I, mean, I wanted to know you know what was it what is it about Spider-Man that sticks out to you you know that really got you interested in, in comics so that was perfect yeah um, it's a, and then I want to pass that on to my, to my kids, you know. So. Yeah, it's, it's more than just like his costume. I like it when he fights Electro. Depth <laughs> to it. Yeah, definitely. But you are you uh, are you a Spider-Man fan? I know you're more of a X-Men. Yeah, I'm an X-Men guy, but I enjoy Spider-Man stuff. I mean, I I don't enjoy this this one more day, brand new day stuff. But the Straczynski run was just amazing. It was perfect. It was just, you know, I had to buy each each issue because it was just written so well. I agree. I really I, I really enjoyed it and I know we talked about this a little bit earlier in the in the first episode, but um the more I read, the more I believe that Straczynski wrote Aunt May out of character. And I liked his Aunt May better, but I can understand why some people had a hard time with it. Yeah, the the issue but the issue where uh, she finds out who he is, and she like sees him bloodied in his bed, and she has his costume. Yeah, thirty probably one of my top ten issues of all time. Whew. Yes, she walks in, and he's all bandaged up, and he's sleeping off that fight with Moreland, and the extra radiation he pumped himself with. He's just totally brutalized up on the bed, and she walks in to see him. Yeah, just the, and the visuals with the writing was just perfect. I just loved it. I mean, yeah, he could have, he might have been off on a couple things, and and uh, those last few issues like that he did with the Molten Man, I didn't really care for, but otherwise, it was just classic, like that Spider-Man to me. I yeah, I understand. I see where you're coming from, and I try to go back and I try to read the uh, the earlier ones and uh, work my way back and try to hit you know the Clone Saga, and I have to confess that I haven't. I haven't gotten very far because I just keep rereading the Straczynski issues because that's the one I like. Yeah. So yeah. I, I went back to Peter Parker, Spider-Man 1 through 29 and Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, 1 through 29, and it's all like mismatched. This senator is evil and 
I don't know. It's it's just not it's not what I like. So I can understand that. Well, we are going to review three Spider-Man issues: six oh six, six oh seven, and six oh eight. Try to catch up a little bit on Marvel's favorite webhead. Then we'll talk a little bit about where it's been since one uh, brand new day. One more day, brand new day, and then uh, that should bring us to our Tina. Does that sound good? That's great. Did you pick out Tina's? I did. Aha, uh-huh, and I only have one this time. Oh, <laughs> amazing. I felt so strongly about this Tina that I was like, this is it. There's no more. So, anyway, all right. <laughs> I will start out with issue 606. You did 607, right? You got it. Excellent. All right, listeners, if you're following along, pull out issue 606. Now, the cover to issue 606, which is by J. Scott Campbell, is really good. I have to I have to admit it's good and it harkens back to like I said last uh, episode Amazing Spider-Man volume 2 number 50, number 51, number 52 where MJ comes back on the scene. It's good. It's a little bit too, you know, curvy, voluptuous, but for the sake of nostalgia I, I really I really like it. I like how um Campbell does these the noses and actually Spider-Man's costume in this does look pretty Pretty cool. So yeah, awesome. You liked it? Big fan of J. Scott Campbell. I agree with you. He is very a very voluptuous, curvy artist, but it's look it's just so clean. Like it's really sharp, sharp lines, and uh, that's like that's an awesome picture of Spider-Man. That's sweet. I think so too. Jackie did see this cover and she said, "Well, I don't like how Black Cat's bottom is drawn." And I said, "Out of that whole <laughs> picture, I was like, that's the thing you have a problem with." Because, I mean, MJ is just hanging out there in this, like, you know, she's got painted on clothes and everything. She was like, well, I I don't like her bottom. Like, all right, fair enough. (laughs) All right. Let's see here. Uh, It's written by Joe Kelly and and, uh, art by Mike McCone. We open with a prologue. Madam Webb is confined in a dark room. And if you recall from issue 600 that we did review on the show, uh, she was... Um, accosted and captured. She is not sure exactly how long she's been secluded uh, when a young child enters the room. The little girl forces Madame Webb to eat a spider, but tells her that if she chews, spider's guts will make her throat close up and she will die. Uh, the spider is somehow laced with drugs and gives her um, clairvoyance, more so, I guess, than what she did have, as well as some sort of truth agent, it seems. The little girl then asks to see the spider, and Madame Webb prays that she can lie, but states that he is surrounded by loved ones. All right, we switch to the main story, where Michelle Gonzalez is throwing a bunch of Pete's things down into the garbage disposal. And again, uh, Michelle Gonzalez is his former roommate's sister, and now it is her, his roommate, which just means they share the same apartment. Her brother is now in jail because he was part of a plot to frame Spider-Man uh, for the spider-killing, serial killer mystery murder thing. All right, so she's throwing a bunch of his clothes down into the garbage disposal. She is angry at Peter because he seems hot and then cold with her. And she's talking about them sleeping together, which we talked about, as well as the chameleon assuming Peter's identity and making out with her, making out with her something fierce I have written down in previous issues. (laughs) Suddenly, Nora, another reporter for Frontline, bursts through the door 
uh, looking for a hug. They started talking about Osborne's story about the American son and how she was threatened by Osborne to sit on it, and Nora turns to Michelle and asks for a little privacy. She makes a rude remark about the age uh, and figure of Michelle while Peter begs for some coffee because it's in the morning, he's still waking up, and he can't deal with all, this, uh, all these girls. And yet again, suddenly, Mary Jane walks into the, in, uh, into the open door uh, with pastries to make up for her missing their rendezvous, rendezvous in a previous issue. She sees that the two girls are bickering about him and decides to quietly bow out. Uh, MJ is actually the only person at this point that Pete wants to talk to at the moment. Later, we see Spider-Man uh, swinging in, pers- in, in pursuit of a purse snatcher, and uh, he caught the guy, and he's hanging from a web line. Uh, he's mouthing off, talking about his women issues, and he decides to hang his prey from a flagpole. Unfortunately, the flagpole begins to break away from the building. Spidey dives to save the thief and shoots a web line to a gargoyle, which also breaks. He tries to shoot another, and his web shooter breaks into pieces. He goes for the other web shooter, and it jams. Finally, they run out of air that they're falling through, and the thief lands into a pool while Spidey has to take his licks from a lawn chair. Uh, Desperate for relief, he looks up to find the black cat on another lawn chair. She confirms that she does indeed have her bad luck powers back. And while she retrieves the thief from the pool, Spidey deals with some more bad luck and finally gets around to asking her why she's even there. They talk around their attraction for each other for a while, and he mentions that she's supposed to be a detective now, and she informs him that she has a new job. Uh, They are now inside the apartment of Dexter Bennett, and the black cat is after something. So they break into Dexter Bennett's apartment, who is the new editor of the DB, which used, used to be the Daily Bugle, and now... Um, Jameson is the mayor instead of the editor. And that happened way early on in the brand new day. All right. They dodge some lasers for a security, you know, a home security system. That's it. <laughs> All right. So they, they dodge some lasers and find a safe hidden behind a portrait of Dexter. And they open it only to discover uh, a corpse holding what looks to be his guts that have turned to granite. Spidey proceeds to inspect further, but the black cat has taken an item that she came for, a book, and is on her way out when Spidey breaks off a piece of the granite, triggering a bomb inside the the corpse. It seems to be something of a claymore mine, but when the ball bearings hit the the wall, uh, razor-sharp spikes begin to grow out of the impact point. And at this point, the villain Diablo makes an appearance saying that he was not targeting them and throws some chemical bombs on them. The next page depicts Spidey smashing through the window, landing near the pool again, ignited with a chemical fire. The black cat puts out the fire and promptly leaves. Uh, she reports in to her new boss via walkie-talkie and uh, reports that Bennett was the target and not a player. And she still has the book at this point. She turns the corner and finds Spider-Man is chasing after her. Uh, Totally confused and vulnerable, Spider-Man expresses his frustration about women to to her, uh, saying that he he was the only one that wanted to get serious with her, and she ran off. She somewhat apologizes for the confusion, saying that her flip-floppiness is due to her memory of his identity being erased. 
which just goes to show that women like it when they you have a mystery, and when that mystery is exposed or answered, there's no fun anymore. So that's how I keep my marriage going. I always uh, <laughs> always have something. She's always looking for something under my sleeve. <laughs> I thought this was I thought this was really interesting because they keep referring back to the memory loss and Spider-Man he must know he must know about it because he doesn't say anything but he knows that because they talked about it the Fantastic Four talked about it the Avengers talked about the memory loss and I wanted to talk to you about this after I finished this issue uh, but Mary Jane I believe does know who uh, Spider-Man is so. She's the only one not affected. All right. Peter starts an inner monologue uh, stating that he should run far away from this craziness that is the black cat, but he won't because his whole being is, is suppressing his conscience and good sense. And then they kiss. And a nice, quiet little kiss that no one needs to know about. But, unbeknownst to them, they are being filmed from the building across the street. It is a television station that is running a live feed, and unfortunately... Spider-Man's bad luck continues as Mary Jane sees the broadcast on the downtown big screen to be continued. So, I wanted to talk to you about this. I found it... I liked it. It wasn't very well written, and the plot was choppy and everything, but I liked how they're getting back to what I understand. uh, Before Spider-Man was involved with Mary Jane, he always had all these girl problems. Right, like some girls liked him, he liked some girls, and all this stuff. And I know that's a high school, college thing, and he's far beyond that. But if they want to, if reimpose the status quo of what Spider-Man was back then, this is a good way to do it. And it's sort of, it's sort of bringing back a lot of different love interests. And I think this was really one where they get back to the status quo um, while furthering the storylines that are going on right now. But they still are talking about how people lost their memory of who Spider-Man was, but at the same time, we know that Mary Jane still knows that Peter is Spider-Man. And one more day, there was a lot of speculation because Mary Jane actually whispered something to Mephisto, and this must be the loophole, right? This must be the one thing that they said, okay, take a... Well, in one more day... All right, can you give us a quick synopsis of one more day? Aunt May was going to die, and so Mephisto said, Mephisto, for some reason, the devil of the Marvel Universe, showed up and said that he can take care of, he can uh, heal Aunt May in exchange for something. And that exchange was that he would not be able to be married to Mary Jane anymore. So that's what Mephisto did. He gave life to Aunt May and took away the, the marriage of Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson. Right, and the reason why he did that was not to cause Mary Jane and Peter harm, but his reasoning that he stated uh, within the book was that the love they have is so pure for one another that it really exemplifies the love God has for mankind, and that he wanted to mess that up and show God that, you know what, there is no real example of how much you love them. Right? Isn't that what he said? You're correct. You're right. Right. So... He took that love away, and first off, I know we're not talking about one more day, we're not harping on that, but this is ridiculous, okay? In my wedding vows, it said, above all others, okay, to to Jackie. I would not save uh-huh. my mom or my aunt 
I mean, I love my mom. I love my mom a lot, but like my my responsibility is to Jackie. So the whole thing's ridiculous. And and as we know, the whole thing um, was an editorial decision to bring Spider-Man back uh, to his roots, and they thought they panned themselves into a corner, which, in my opinion, good writers are able to get out of that situation. I believe Straczynski could have gotten out of that situation. I I, I think he had more. Uh, more places to go as well. I think he had further plans. Anyway, all that to say that Mary Jane whispered in Mephisto's ear, and uh, we didn't know exactly what it was, and so now I think what it was is that she said, well, let me remember at least. So we don't know if she, if we rem- if, uh, she remembers that he's only Spider-Man or if she remembers that they were married. Mm, that's interesting. You're right. Right. And I think that she doesn't remember that they were married but she still remembers that he's Spider-Man. And I don't know why that would be, why she would request that. So That's it. Well, but that just kind of goes with the whole one more day being silly. <laughs> right. It's just of all the things to request, that's what you request. All right. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, all in all, I thought this was an okay issue, and it really, I, I think it has something to do with the 616 because it's it's showing, we talked about how the, the 70th kind of, the 70th anniversary and all the Mystic Marvel and the Destroyer comic and everything was putting a, a date, a kind of a date stamp on Marvel and like from here on out, this is what we're going to do. We're going to differentiate these people are back here and these people are up here. These are the these are the people, the uh, the tools and toys that we're, that we're working with now and these are the ones that we're going to leave behind and start a new era. And uh, we talked a little bit about that and that's what I feel that this issue did. And it said, okay, we're moving forward, but we're still talking about these people. We're going to bring these people up, and we're going to uh, really define where Spider-Man's going from now on. So uh, that's why I thought this issue was important. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It had a couple little hiccups with it. With that, uh, I don't remember Spider-Man wearing red and black. Usually he wears red and blue, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... That just kind of drove me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that has to do with how dark it is outside, and who knows. But then they went inside with the lasers. Oh, you are correct. But it's still dark. They have the and lights it was off. it's still black. That's just, I don't know, that's just something. Because you're right, like, you're, you're very much compelled by stories, and I'm very much compelled by the art. Right. So that just kind of, it was very distracting for me. No, you're yeah. right. But then... As you said, you know, the writing, it did struggle a little bit, and I really enjoy Joe Kelly. I think he's a great writer. But some of the, the hiccups in here and some of the jokes, I was just like, I couldn't tell what was going on. I was a little pushed back a couple times. What else has Joe Kelly written? Well, he did some Uncanny X-Men stuff, and I really enjoyed that. That was back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's how I know Joe Kelly. <laughs> gotcha. No, you're right. I'm looking at this, and, uh, yeah, he definitely is wearing black. You know, the whole coloring scheme of, of, of Brand New Day has really been a mess for me. And, like, it really has kind of deterred me from getting into this. And what I mean is, every time, like, his thought boxes are all red outlined, and that is something that I think I got used to. I think Straczynski's were blue. And so, during the shift to Brand New Day, everything was red, and then it kind of overpowered it, and you have a lot of earth tones and uh, in in most of the books, I think. That's the kind of the, the feel I get. And I just can't 
I, I can't get into it. I'm I'm kind of waiting for the time when they, when all the wording outlined like the 37 wet seconds later after he gets out of the pool, and the then and the now and everything. I'm waiting for that to turn from red, and I'm I'm wondering if I'm going to get a different feel for it. And it just is weird. Um, I know that that is a. Yeah, I think you hit it. I think it's a small thing, and I shouldn't. It, I'm being too picky, but it, but it does. It stands out to me that you know something's a little off. Is it, this isn't what I was used to? So, well, I think you probably hit it because I've been trying to read this stuff since brand new day, and I just keep reading, and I just there's something that's off about it, and I don't know what. Maybe it is the coloring, or maybe it's the you know all the new villains that were introduced, or maybe it's it. You know, Peter Parker is acting so different because he used to be married and he used to have a different set of responsibilities than what he has now. But I'm with you. I really had a had a struggle trying to follow and, and keep up with this title. Yeah, and if you compare it to, like, non... I know that uh, Amazing is the main title, so if you compare it, and I always compare it to Peter Parker Spider-Man, but, like, if you compare it to Peter Parker Spider-Man, he wasn't married throughout... I mean, they were separated in most of those issues, if not all of those issues. And, you know, he had they had backup characters, and they had people living in the apartment and everything, and it was kind of snarky, the, the way that they played off of one another. And you're talking about Robertson. You have all these backup characters that you're not using. Why in the world would you bring new characters into this? Why would you bring Michelle? Why would you bring Nora and, and all these people when you have a whole list of characters that you're not using back there. Good, good question. I thought the exact same thing. They have, they have Liz, and they brought Liz and and uh, Harry back in, and they brought Flash back in for a while, but they're not developing any of those relationships. And they might want to start over, and they might say, okay, realistically, you're not going to keep the same friends for your whole life. But if they were were trying to, you know, reimpose the status quo, then why wouldn't you have those relationships that you that carry over? We'll have to see where it goes. I mean, I've been saying that for, what, three years now? <laughs> I've been saying we'll it. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Three years. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still thinking that, well, maybe it's not going to sell that well. Maybe they'll go back. But no, there's no chance. Yeah, looks like we're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a while. Well, let's move on to the next one. Okay. Issue 607. All right, do it, man. Uh, we've got J. Scott Campbell again. Beautiful cover, way, way too risque for me. Definitely more risque than the first one. Yes. But just try and look at the top half. It's like, oh, cool, Black Cat's wearing Spider-Man's outfit. <laughs> uh, he, he just has, he's a beautiful, he draws beautiful, beautiful uh, women, men, scenery. I just, I think he's a great artist. Yeah, I think so, too. I was looking back at some of the, like, issue 32 and uh, 31, him drawing Ezekiel on the on the side of the wall and everything. Just fantastic. Mm. So we don't need to do a recap because we just came from the previous issue, uh, but it starts out with uh, a picture of Spider-Man's costume on a bed on top of Black, uh, Black Cap's costume with a lot of internal monologue from Spider-Man. Uh, then we cut to actually Peter Parker and Felicia Hardy in the same bed with each other. Uh, she had promised that she would not look at his face. And it looks like she's kept up to that promise. Black Cat's talking to Peter, saying, just wait until the morning, then we can play Grow Up. Peter Parker falls back asleep, and he wakes up to uh, a newly married couple walking in because Black Cat had secured this hotel room 
illegally, and it looks like this was already taken by someone else. So in walks the groom with his bride in arms, with Spider-Man putting his mask on with boxers and grabbing the rest of his costume, jumping up, quickly making lots of small talk as he as he gets out. This is something I, I kind of enjoyed. That was a little bit funny. Um, jumps out the window, goes swinging, and we cut down to uh, the Daily Bugle, or the DB, as it's called now, with uh, Spider-Man kind of starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together with Dexter Bennett, the editor-in-chief of the DB. Tell them, you know, what was going on last night. Tell me what you know about what was the guy's name that was killed. I don't know if we. I don't know if we know who was killed. All right. Well, he talks to him about Mayor. That's his name. Oh, he okay. shows him a picture of the dead guy, and uh, Dexter calls him Mayor. Oh yeah, Bernie. God, that's Bernie Mayor. Bernie Mayor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, what was he doing in my safe? And. Then uh, Dexter tells him that you know he used to be in business with him. They were builders back in the 80s. It uh, turns out there was some back backhanded deals, and he was getting a lot of supplies for extremely cheap, and he wouldn't reveal it to Dexter Bennett. So he wanted to get out of it, but he wasn't going to be his partner anymore, and that's how Dexter knows him. I'll cut to a picture of the latest issue of the DB, and it's a front-page picture of Black Cat smooching with Spider-Man. Sorry, it's just business. It wasn't anything personal. And Spider-Man just kind of grabs his head. Now, one thing I do want to point out here, the angle of, of where this picture is taken, is it, this was good attention to detail because when we saw him, we were on the other side of where the camera was, and so we saw him in reverse. Like, ah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you can nowadays you can switch the picture back and forth, whatever. But anyway, I thought that was good, good for the artist, good for him. That's that's a very detail-oriented observation you made. I never never even noticed that. <laughs> All right, go on. Good. All right, so we cut to Spider-Man is back with Black Cat. They're talking. Uh, she continues to make uh, sexual innuendo with him about last night, where it seems like Spider-Man really just wants to find out what's going on with Bennett and Mayor, why he's dead, uh, what's going on with all. They continue to, to just chat it up. Black Cat says that she's got sources inside City Hall. She may be able to get some answers there. But don't worry about it. She's going to take care of everything. One of their phones continues to ring. Spider-Man says, why is anyone answering the phone? And Black Cat says, I hate it when I'm feeling frisky. We cut down to the main office below. And we've got Diablo appeared again. Spider-Man jumps through the window the wall or whatever's made out of glass and bust Diablo. Uh, so we're kind of left to wonder what exactly happened between Black Cat and Spider-Man. Of course, a battle ensues with Black Cat joining the fray, but Diablo has tricks up his sleeves and turns the floor into concrete with Spider-Man's feet stuck in the concrete. Diablo explains that it's only science, it's physics, it's chemistry, a little bit about what his powers are as he's an alchemist. Spider-Man, uh, breaks out of the concrete, well, he, he breaks out of the floor made of concrete, but his feet are still stuck together in 300 pounds of concrete with a black cat. Uh, they're jumping around trying to defeat Diablo, and he keeps throwing things at him, and eventually he throws two capsules that turn into gold, hardened gold around both of them, capturing Black Cat and Spider-Man. Black Cat's gold is covered on her face. Kind of hard to explain this. You kind of need to just look at the issue and see what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, the hardened gold is over Black Cat's face, so she cannot breathe. 
and Spider-Man's is just covered on his body. Well, Black Hat's too, but Spider-Man can still breathe. Diablo explains a little bit about how his how his his uh, powers work, and that eventually the gold will dissipate. It will expire because everything that he makes breaks down within time. He goes on to continue talking about different things that he's made that, that break down, and why Spider-Man uh, focuses on Black Cat not being able to breathe, trying to figure out how we're going to get out of this situation. Diablo says that other materials he fabricates might endure for decades before the inevitable, leading to what's about to happen in a couple of pages. All right, so then Black Cat starts to pass out because she cannot breathe. So of course she has the bad luck power, so what happens is one of Diablo's capsules falls out of his pouch capsules or whatever and destroys the gold. Spider-Man and Black Cat are now free to take down Diablo. Spider-Man launches a couple of web balls at Diablo, knocking him down. Black Cat, however, is passed out and needs mouth-to-mouth. Spider-Man goes to give her mouth-to-mouth, and it's the first time he's received tongue during CPR. What is this podcast rated? Holy cow. (laughs) Black Cat continues to uh, allude to more innuendo of the sexual term. And Spider-Man tries to ignore it because has to defeat Diablo now. I never knew her eyes were green. Or have they always been green? I thought they were. I thought so too, actually. She's probably wearing contacts. Oh well, my bad. What was I thinking? That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Uh, Spider-Man tells Diablo. He asks Diablo, "Why did you kill Mayor? What's this big experiment that Diablo's been going on about?" Um, and Diablo says he's been waited for 20 years and you'll watch it unfold on tomorrow's news and disappears in a cloud of smoke. However, Spider-Man, if you look at those two boxes right there, Spider-Man's head is huge. Yes, and he it looks like a little... He looks like a little child. Kind of like Superhero Squad or something. Yeah. But that just really threw me. <laughs> yeah. those two. This this art is... It's tough to swallow. It's, it's not... I don't like it. I don't like the art. I don't like the coloring. The inking's okay, but... That's that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we Spider Man eventually puts it together that, you know, there's something going on with Diablo because he's talking about something that's lasted for twenty years. He's waited for twenty years. Mayor and uh Dexter Bennett had been had broken up their partnership twenty years ago. So there's something going on. He thinks he's figured it out. And he says that it was steel, it was steel. Mayor got his hands on twenty thousand tons of steel at a significant discount but wouldn't tell Bennett where it came from. That is what happened, is that this mayor got a bunch of steel, and he wouldn't tell Dexter where it came from. Turns out it came from Diablo, and as Diablo said, everything eventually breaks down. So there's some building inside New York City that's going to break down that Black Cat and Spider-Man have to find. Spider, uh, Black Cat says she's got some sources. She'll figure it out. Go ahead and get as much webbing as you can, and he'll, and Black Cat will contact Spider-Man within an hour to a huge building covered in web and a bunch of people running out. Uh, what happened was Black Cat used their sources in the city and the city government to find out which building it was that was built with this fake steel. Uh, Spider-Man webs it up to keep it from falling down. Uh, while J. Jonah Jameson, new mayor, takes credit for getting these people out safely. Promises that his intelligence gathering network stretched far and wide. Spider-Man whacks him with a a web bomb and tells him that you're welcome. Uh, The building gets ready to fall down, and it does. Spider-Man and Black Widow talk a little bit more. Um, 
or innuendo and all that stuff that I didn't really care for. Flashback with new art, too, with uh, Diablo and how he made his first deal with Mayor 20 years ago in making the building. Uh, the purpose for it was that he would make the building, all these little firms would get inside with their businesses and take out insurance, the building would fall down, and $9 billion would be split between everyone with Diablo raking in a large sum of this money. That was his whole plan, and of course Spider-Man and Black Cat foiled it. Got two of uh, Black Cat and Spider-Man kissing upside down. Kind of reminded me of the movie scene. Yeah, uh, it actually Mary Jane upside. Down. It actually reminded me of the third movie where Mary Jane gets all mad because Peter kissed Gwen upside down. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, wait a minute, that's not theirs. They can't do that. This art, man, this art change is terrible. Like, I thought McCone's yeah. was bad, but uh, <laughs> I hate to say anybody's art is bad, but it just, the art has to fit the script and has to fit the feel of the book, and it, it just does not. Mm-hmm. Here, so. And we just close it out with Diablo sitting, watching the news, finding out what's going on, and he's very upset, blasts the TV with his really cool-looking helmet, and in walks, uh, what's her name? In walks Anna Kravinoff. That, that says that her mother would very much like to talk to. And that's how it ends. So, all in all, I don't know. The issue was okay. The art switched around three different times. So that was a little distracting. I think I'd probably go for the last artist the best. It was kind of weird to have Diablo show up, as he's typically a Fantastic Four villain. It was almost to me kind of like a filler story unless more of this is going to plan out with Anna Kravinoff and Diablo doing a little bit more. Well, this is a continuation. I think this is a continuation. It's furthering that it's these two issues were, okay, how can we bring Black Cat back and how can we further the plot line with Anna Kravinoff and her, I don't know if you read this, the storyline, uh, Craven's first hunt. What she did was she captured Michelle's brother Officer Rodriguez, he was in the Spidey costume, and then Spider-Man had to don the Daredevil costume and go in and save him. And that was okay, but this is just telling us, you know, let's not forget about this piece of the puzzle, because next issue has nothing to do with any of this. So, I think what they're trying to do with this brain trust, the Spidey brain trust, is have all, weave this web, so to speak, with Spider-Man, weave this web of all these plot lines and everything, and to eventually come together, but... I don't think they're all going to come together. I think they're each little pieces of the story. And so, really, if you were going to follow one story, you know, you would you would read this month, and then you would read three months from now, and then you would read three months from then to get that story and every other one. What they're doing, basically, is they're having three separate titles each month. You know, this one would be in, in Spider-Man, and then this one would be in Amazing Spider-Man, and then the next one would be in... Tangled Web Spider-Man, or you know what I mean. Instead of having three separate mm-hmm. Spider-Man issues, they're doing it all into one, which it's exactly the same thing. So yeah, so, I mean that's basically that makes sense now. That does about the different little storylines and everything. But, yeah, it was okay. It was just a so-so issue. Nothing super cool. I mean, I look forward to the the Madame Web stuff, but that was in your issue. <laughs> kind of <laughs> hoping there'd be something in this one about it, but there wasn't. That's where I am. What did you think about the whole thing? Uh, I thought it was terrible. I, I, 
I was not thrilled <laughs> with it. First of all, okay, we talked about how Peter Parker doesn't just run into women and then start making love. He's not like a love machine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't do that. And yeah. we talked about this before, how the first issue of, of Brand New Day, he's kissing some girl, and that's kind of like, whoa, whoa, wait, slow down. So far, he's had sex with Michelle Rodriguez, uh, and now again with Black Cat. Now, way back when, in I think it was Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, they insinuated, or you know, they implied that they had, in, in fact, slept together. But there was no reason to just go ahead and show it because that's not part of the character. But what they're doing now is they're they're changing the character and saying, you know what, he's just like any other man nowadays, and he shouldn't be like any other man nowadays. He needs to be above board. The everyman, as in, he comes across the same problems. But he doesn't have to, like, sleep with everything that... You know, I always thought that Spider-Man had control over his emotions and over his passions, and every time he wanted to kill somebody, he said no, but he can't He can't have self-control over his sex drive? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Very out of character. Yeah, I, would th- I think so. So I, w- I was sad to see that. I mean... They're flirting, right? And he's trying to figure out what's real, what's the, what's the truth. He's, he's on a hunt, and the black cat's trying to distract him. And he keeps saying, you know what, stop. You know what, stop. And to me, he, he should have just kept saying that. Anyway, I mean, it's, it's fiction, so you can do that. No matter how much lack of self-control today's men or today's society has, this is fiction. Why don't you make it above board, somebody we can look up to? I don't look up to somebody who is like, oh, I could, I could get with this girl, or, you know what I mean? So I was not happy with that. Anything else on this issue? Yeah, I'm done with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think this really epitomizes the whole problem with the whole problem with Brand New Day. It's just like, it's a different Spider-Man. You said it yourself. Peter is acting so different. Now, like, I, like we said, Spider-Man 600, that was good. He's fighting Doc Ock. He's trying to help people. You know, the Fantastic Four pitches in. He has a friendship with Johnny Storm. I thought 608, the one I'm doing now, was better. Guggenheim, who's the writer, and Chichetto is the artist. It has good art. The cover's nice. The cover's really nice. I have to say that it, it has great quality, but it's not my taste. You know, it's not, what, it's not necessarily what I like, but from an objective standpoint, I mean, it's, it's a really good cover. What do you think? Yeah, it's nice. It's not J. Scott Campbell. It's not the stuff I'm typically into, but it's very nice. It's it's a cool visual of him ripping the picture of Spider-Man. I thought so, and it, it looked it looked very clean. As even though the, the the pencils, you know, they had a little a lot of shading within the pencil, it looked really clean, and I I like that a lot. I like a little bit more variant stylized. But what'd you say? I said the variant was just eh, didn't care for that. Yeah, but I liked it better than the art in the last one, so that's a step up. <laughs> the pose is weird, but um, I do kind of like this. It looks like it looks. I think it looks better than some of Alex Ross's stuff for Spider-Man. All right, the art in this issue is pretty good. It reminds me of Bagley in Ultimate Spider-Man, and in the early '90s, I think '93, Bagley was on Amazing. Does that ring a bell? I don't. I honestly, I don't know. I think. I think he was. He drew a lot of Venom and Carnage issues. He drew some of the Maximum Carnage stuff. So I I enjoyed this. Uh, you can see a lot of that in the hair. Uh, again, we have a lot of the earth tones. We got the 
the browns and the reds, and that goes with the lettering. We see in the top-hand corner the then is again lettered in red, which to me seems totally out of place, so I don't know. I like the attention to detail without making the picture look too much like real life, because I, th- I don't think a Spider-Man comic should look like real life. I like the comic book feel, but the touch of uh, the realistic touch, like the graffiti on the back of the chairs in the classroom, I thought that was really good. Without getting down to the nitty-gritty details of the texture of the chair, I liked how they had that kind of graffiti from the students. We start out in the past in a college auditorium. A Dr. Ryder is reviewing the resume for a position of lab assistant. We find out that the position and the resume belong to Ben Riley, who has applied for the position. All right, and those of you who do not know, Benjamin Riley is Peter Parker's clone that way back when, and I don't have an issue number, Dr. Seward? Yeah, Trainer Seward. All right, he cloned Peter Parker, and the clone... The Jackal did, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. You're right. And his name was Seward, though, right? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think you're right. I think it's true. All right. So way back when, Peter Parker was cloned. They had a fight. He uh, He came back, and... The clone died, apparently, and Spider-Man put him in a smokestack because you can't. he didn't want Peter Parker to cease to exist. So if the body of Peter Parker was found dead, then he would, stop have, he would have to stop living his life as Peter, so he threw him in the bottom of a smokestack. Now, what happened was the clone woke up from that and saw how Peter was living his life and didn't want to mess it up, so he ran away and sort of self-exiled himself for, for a new life. He took Uncle Ben's name and then Aunt May's maiden name, so Benjamin Riley. All right. Wait. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm confused. Okay. When, when Ben Riley originally died, I thought that he turned to dust. No, this was, this was before, okay, because he came back. All right. Good question. This was way back when. This was like... Before issue 50, okay, there was a clone, and then he died, apparently, and was put in the smokestack, okay? And then he came back, woke up, saw how he was living his life, and exiled himself. Later on, back in the 90s, we find out that he really didn't die, that he exiled himself, that he came back to check on Aunt May, and so he reintroduced himself to Peter and Mary Jane, and then became the Scarlet Spider after that. For a time, he was Spider-Man, because uh, Peter Parker lost his powers for some reason, and he acted as Spider-Man, but when Spider-Man came back, Ben Riley assumed the Scarlet Spider mantle, and then the yeah. two of them fought side by side. Eventually, what happened was when, when the Green Goblin came back, and they fought him, and right around that time, it was Peter Parker's Spider-Man Volume 1, it was the first issue to be called Peter Parker Spider-Man instead of just Spider-Man. It was Todd McFarlane's book. It was number 75. Ben Riley did get killed by the Green Goblin by a yeah. bomb. And he did turn to dust because the clones, when they died, they turned to dust. And there was always that question, who is really the real Peter Parker? And what had originally happened was the editorial staff said, okay, well, Ben Riley, we're going to bring him back, and he's actually going to be the real original one. And the fans had such an uproar and an outlashing at that that they changed it, and they said, okay, 
we're going to make it so that Ben Riley was the clone all along. And yeah. that's why it was such a big deal to change the title of Spider-Man to Peter Parker Spider-Man number 75. And that's when it was on the cover. Because if you look, if you open up that book and you look down in the, you know, the legal notes or whatever, the publishing letters down at the bottom, it says Spider-Man Volume 1, number 75. And then when it became a Peter Parker Spider-Man Volume 2, when it restarted over at 1, when you look down there, it actually says Peter Parker Spider-Man Volume 2. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it was a big deal why they put Peter Parker Spider-Man number 75, because in that one, Spider-Man assumes the role totally of Spider-Man without any question that he was the original par Peter Parker and the original Spider-Man. Okay. Okay. All right. So does that answer your question? Well, I just wasn't understanding the smokestack thing, but you were talking about the smokestack thing before. Like, that was the first time that he thought he killed him, but then he really did die when he was killed by the goblin's glider and turned to dust. Right. Right. That was, okay. way, that was right. way back when. That was while Gwen yeah, Stacy was still alive, right? Well, the smokestack was, but he, yeah. Green Goblin killed him with his glider after Onslaught. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so now we're on the same page. <laughs> okay. All right, good, good. All right. All right, let's see here. All right, we flash to now, where Spider-Man is chasing Screwball, the parkour-practicing Internet sensation. Screwball steals things and streams live over the Internet, uh, and her viewership is unbelievable. She keeps insisting to Spider-Man that she is not the bad guy, and her justification for her actions is the mandate from the masses. So she thinks that the more viewers she gets on the Internet, then it can't be wrong because that's what the public demands. She gets away by throwing $10 million in bear bonds from the top of a building and putting Spidey in an ethical quandary, making either making the arrest or returning the money. He can't do both. So he, he goes and returns the money. We then see Peter at the office of Frontline trying to sell the pictures of the event with Screwball to Ben Yurick. Unfortunately, Ben explains to Peter that they must cover news that isn't viral or already all over the Internet. They need new news. So he says, I can't, I can't do that because it's still already over the, all over the Internet, and so we'd actually be printing yesterday's news. Just then, Damon Ryder, who is, we saw him in Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 36, which just came out a few months ago, and that's the guy in the beginning. He was the, the professor looking over Ben Riley's resume. He walks into the office and calls Peter out. And he calls him Ben and accuses him of burning down his house full of his family. Peter, in a weird twist in how this, this comic reads, Peter daydreams about telling the truth to all the people in the office, uh, and we get a nice shot of the Scarlet Spider on that one page. It's, it's a pretty nice shot there. But he decides against it, thinking that, you know, they're never going to believe him, that's not going to fly. I do like the costume of the Scarlet Spider, but it is so 90s uh, with the hoodie. <laughs> it's yeah. just the torn-up hoodie and everything. It was. Uh, I remember the first time I saw that. I was not into comics yet, and I saw it. I was like, who in the world is this? Holy cow, there's another Spider-Man? That's so awesome. So I thought he changed his costume or something. I, I didn't know what was going on. Ryder gets riled up and physically attacks Peter in the office among Peter's coworkers. We see Ryder grow fangs, but is finally restrained by some of Peter's co-workers. Ryder produces a newspaper headline with a police sketch of Ben Riley 
and a picture of the burning house. And of course, the picture of Ben Riley or the sketch of Ben Riley looks exactly like Peter. And all the people in the office really have a hard time with that and saying, well, what's going on here? And Ben questions them, which I thought was kind of weird because Ben, ever since uh, Peter Parker came in and rescued Matt Murdock in uh, Daredevil and said, oh, definitely Daredevil is not Matt Murdock, Ben really trusted Peter and said, look, I don't know how you know this, but you did a good thing. You're a good man. Keep it under your hat, and I have a newfound respect for you. So I, I don't really know why Ben's all up on him, and the only thing I can think of is he's a newspaper reporter, so he's dying to know the truth. Anybody out there who has not read Bendis' run on Daredevil, you are missing out. You need to read that. Starting issue 13 or 14, Daredevil 14, all the way to issue 80-something. Read it. Do yourself a favor. Have you read it? No. Oh. I was afraid to tell you that. <laughs> oh, you, you, have, you have to. Oh, it's fantastic. It's amazing. All right. We go back to then. In the lab, Ryder asks about Ben's story. Ben sidesteps the question, the question, which eventually leads him back to dinner at the Ryder household. At the dinner table, Ben makes an extremely inappropriate comment. Did you catch this? All right, page, Go ahead and, page 17. All right. He's at the dinner table. Mrs. Ryder asks the question, what are, you guys, what are you guys doing in the lab the whole time? What do you do? And Ben makes a very inappropriate comment about Damon Ryder doing co-eds in the lab. And it, I just thought it was extremely improper for Ben to say and extremely improper for Guggenheim to write. I just, not only is it out of character, but like it's a family setting. You're talking to a, a wife. This, is, this isn't even nowadays. It's back 10, 15 years ago. And you just, you don't say that. Like, oh, your husband's cheating on you in the lab. He's doing these co-eds, these buxom college students. Uh, it was just ridiculous. I, I was like, what is, "What is going on here?" You know, I don't know. Maybe it's not. It doesn't really. It doesn't offend her. <laughs> I know, but that's. But I think that's the writer. I think that's Guggenheim. I think he has a skewed view of what's proper and improper. Anyway, whatever. Maybe I'm making too much of it. But Ryder's wife uh, resigns herself to the fact that she will never know what they really do. But they go ahead and try to explain anyway. Apparently, they're working on an evolutionary theory that states that dinosaurs evolved into man. However, they're running out of funding. Ben is worried about his income, but Ryder tells him he needn't worry about it. We jump to a small interlude in Morocco. We're, we are visiting May and Jay on their honeymoon, Aunt May and Jay Jameson. May complains to Jay that she misses New York and misses Peter, so they decide to put a layover in, in their trip before they go to Venezuela and then to Antarctica. So that was a page out of nowhere. Sounds like a fun honeymoon. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't imagine having fun that. All right. Next, we hit um, <laughs> we hit a, a, a full page of Spider-Man, which was actually, well, not a full page, but like a two-thirds page shot of Spider-Man, which is pretty cool. I, I think it's pretty good. What do you think about this? It's okay. You just it's all right. You just thought it was okay. It was just okay. It just. I don't know. There's someone that reminds me of it. I can't put my finger on who it is. You mean artist? I don't like or the artwork. Character. Yeah, the artist. I don't know. I gotta disagree with you. Out of comparatively, out of what we've seen recently, this is probably the best shot we've had of him. Well, yeah, since last issue. Yeah, and he's got a blue outfit on, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does have. 
He has his normal, yeah. regular outfit. I think his head, his face could be... No, no, I'm not going to complain about this. Out of the crap art... <laughs> you can't make me complain. Out of the crap art uh, that we have been getting for the past 20 issues or so, this is fantastic. <laughs> there's No, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this picture. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, uh, we see Spidey... Uh, <laughs> on the move, chasing down a spider tracer that he put on Ryder uh, during the assault. He's led to an abandoned building where he finds some of Ryder's clothes with the tracer attached, but he doesn't find Ryder, and he's worried about where Ryder really is. And he should be, because Ryder is paying a visit to Michelle, who he thinks is Ben or Peter's girlfriend. He, <laughs> he claims that he told Peter he would be visiting and that Peter dropped the ball, which is very easy for Michelle to understand because she can't stand Peter. So I'm actually surprised she let him in, but again, whatever. All right, we go back to then where Ben is checking out the breakthrough that Ryder told him about at dinner. He determines that Ryder has actually been experimenting with recombinant DNA in order to prove their theories. And we all know, we all remember that recombinant DNA was the main problem in um, the Spider-Man TV show, the cartoon. That's all they talked about the whole time was the recombinant DNA. (laughs) (laughs) We all know that. Ryder keeps yelling at Ben to let it go, and he's, he's getting really riled up. We don't see what happens then, but obviously he's mad that Ben knows that he was experimenting on himself. We cut back to now and we see Ryder about to attack Michelle with fangs in Peter's apartment. And then we see none other than Kane grab Spidey's neck and hold him by the throat in silence. And then we have next, the pain of Kane. It doesn't say to be continued, but that's a, that's a nice picture, don't you think, or no? Yeah, it is. See, that yeah, kind of reminds me, how Kane looks there reminds me of uh, Ramos, Umberto Ramos. Oh, really? Yeah, can, I mean, you can see that or no? No, I don't see it. If you do, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, his, his face, not Spider-Man necessarily, but... Um, yeah, maybe his face a little bit. He has a lot of... He's got long hair. <laughs> anyway, I thought we would never see Kane again. I was really... And Kane me? is uh, is another clone of Spider-Man, correct? He was one that yeah. got physically deformed or messed up. Half his face is is very much um, deformed. He used to have yeah. such a terrible costume. His face was covered by blue-colored covered saran wrap with, like, webbing twisted in it. This looks a lot better. It looks more realistic. <laughs> yeah, that was a very 90s costume he had. Indeed. Now, my only gripe, really, with uh, this issue is that on the cover, we see Ryder in his costume, and... If you didn't read Annual Number 36 that, that came out a few months ago, you wouldn't know that that was Damon Ryder in there, like in in that helmet and as the raptor, right? Yeah, you'd have no idea who, what, what the purpose of this cover even was, exactly. who that person was. Exactly, and then we'd be going back to the early 2000s where the cover had nothing to do with the story. What did you think of this issue? Uh, well, I was really excited to see Kane back. Like, you know me, if there's somebody from the 90s that hasn't appeared since, I'm just fanatical when they come. Yeah. That was really exciting because, I mean, whether or not people like the 90s, they happened, okay? And they happened in continuity, and it's kind of silly to just act like they didn't, you know, especially <laughs> when people have all those issues and stuff. 
they happen. So right. for right. Kane to be there, it's like, yes, finally, you know, one of Spider-Man's core people, you know, for like five or six years is back. So it uh, really did happen. So are you are you telling me that you're a fan of the Clone Saga? I'm not a fan of the Clone Saga. I think it was awfully written and it was drawn out and it was way too long and uh, you know they 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 bowed into fan pressure. But in the first place, they should have changed who Spider-Man really was in the first place. But they did. So they had to jump through so many hurdles and change stuff, and it was a mess. But it still happened. You know, no matter what, it still happened. And some of those things should still be felt today, and they're not until now. So who's right. good? Kane is back. And I think they need to. I think they need to deal with it. I don't think. Of course, I wasn't reading comics at the time, but when uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man number seventy-five came out, and Ben Riley finally died, that was supposed to be closure to the whole thing. But yet, we still had Kane out there. We still have. We still don't know what happened to Peter's child, if it was killed or not. So there's a lot of unanswered exactly. questions from that era that we that I hope they wrap up here. And I thought it was interesting to see a, a villain from the 90s, Kane, along with a brand new day villain, Screwball, and, yeah. and Raptor, actually. So I, I have high hopes for Raptor. Um, I don't think they're going to be met, but, you know. Oh, another thing I wanted to point out about this first cover, if you could turn back to that. Okay. Of all the places to put the barcode, they put it over the most important spot. I did not see this until just now. But do you see how half of Spider-Man's costume is Peter Parker's costume and the other half is Ben Riley's costume? I do now. And I have to say, I, I'm a fan of Ben Riley's Spider-Man costume. I am, it, uh, for those of you that don't know, look it up. Uh, look up on Google Ben Riley Spider-Man and you'll get the costume. He's got the web shooters on the outside which I wasn't too crazy about, but he has the spider going over his shoulder, and so you can kind of differentiate between who's in the costume. It was a, it was probably sort of for the fans. Anyway, I really enjoyed that costume. But why why they got to put the barcode right there? They could have put it on the opposite side, and we actually would have seen the costume. I hope that that artist is unhappy about that. <laughs> you know, the cover artist, like, oh, what are they doing? <laughs> That's ridiculous. What do you what do you feel about? We'll talk a little bit about uh, Brand New Day, and then we'll do the Tinas. What do you think about how, where Brand New Day's gone? I mean, have you read a whole lot of it? When it first came out, I was reading every issue because I was I was committed to you know Marvel says it's going to be good. Marvel, you know, Joe Casada obviously has best intentions for this, so I just pulled it out and I read about Jackpot and I read about Menace and I read about Mister Negative and. I just found myself reading half an issue and then putting it down and coming back to it later. Whereas when Straczynski was writing, it was like, I need the next issue now. You know, what do I need to do? So I kind of gave up with it for a little while. And then when you and I started doing the podcast, I started reading it again. And then I don't, it's just not a return back to what they said they wanted to do. They wanted to put the genie back in the bottle, get Spider-Man back to, you know, his classic villains and, and uh, a small group of supporting characters and, you know, single and all that stuff, and that's great, but they, I don't, mission not accomplished is what I guess I'd say, is that it's not back to the, you know, the 70s and 60s and 80s Spider-Man. It's this other title that I just don't really care for. We've 
said, we've had 60 issues of Brand, More, uh, brand New Day, and it feels like it just started. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, what are we doing? Are we, are we spinning, our, spinning our wheels? And some of them were good, but that, I, that's it. They were good. They weren't great. They weren't fantastic. They were just good. Some, most of them weren't. And this whole brain trust thing, and I miss the separate titles. I miss picking up my three Spider-Man titles because if you don't like what's going on in one right now, chances are you'll like one or the other one. And if you have three storylines going on, but now we get three storylines that are supposedly all supposed to fit together. I wasn't worried about, you know, is Peter Parker, when did this take place in, in Amazing? Is he, is he out in space or is he on Earth or what's going on? It. It just doesn't make sense to have it this way. See, right? <laughs> After 60 issues, we'll wait and see. <laughs> Ridiculous. It, it really is insane. I, it, it feels like they're spinning the wheels the whole time. We have Mary Jane back. We've had some of the crappiest art I've seen in, in any Marvel title, any, any mainstream 616 book in quite some time. I mean, some of this stuff... This is your, one of your flagship titles. You're going to put some of these artists on here that draw, like, emaciated stick figures for, for Mary Jane, who's, like, core to the book. And That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope it gets better. And the storylines need to start to matter. Like, when they had Back in Black, the amazing Spider-Man storyline... It really mattered. It was like, okay, Spider-Man versus the Kingpin. What are we going to see? Even even one more day. I hated that story, but it mattered. And here we get a bunch of interlooping things that say, okay, well, if you're bored with this, what about this storyline that you won't end for another you know, five months or we won't hear anything about for another five months? And if you don't like this one, well, we next week we have a new storyline with a new villain that hopefully you'll like. It's like, no, this, this Amazing Spider-Man is supposed to continue through and it's supposed to be con uh, have a, some sort of continuity. Yeah, go back to your history and bring back these villains. And I know the gauntlet is coming up, and that's supposed to bring back a, a lot of the villains that, you know, a, a lot of yeah. the original villains, Electro, Mysterio, and, and actually I don't know if Mysterio is coming back. But it's supposed to, we'll see how that goes. I have, I have high hopes for that. But it's like from 607 to 608, we don't have, hear anything about the, the DB. We don't hear anything about Dexter or um, the guy that, that died. You know, nothing about that. I guess that was resolved. The building fell down and, oh, Diablo's done. We, we know nothing about the black yeah. cat. Um, she isn't a recurring character. And now all of a sudden we have somebody who we saw in the annual, annual number 36 shows up, which is fine because we wanted to know what was happening, and you can make an argument, it's an annual, so that works. But in 606, somebody, uh, we find out what happened six issues ago to Madam Webb, and we don't even really even find out. She was, uh, she, they broke into her house, they kidnapped her, and then they made her eat a spider six issues later. And then when are we going to see her again? And, yeah, it was only two months, but it was six whole issues. By the time I read this, I have no idea what, what's going to happen. So they must think that whoever reads Spider-Man doesn't read any other Marvel title because I can't keep track of everything that's going on. 
and so much goes on. And I think this has to do with having three titles a month. It used to be special when Spider-Man came out, like you were saying. When Straczynski wrote it, I don't even know if it was because of Straczynski, because Paul Jenkins was writing and uh, Tangled Web was coming out at the same time. So I was like, oh, sweet, another one. Finally, I'll I'll figure out what happened that storyline and kept me going. But so much happens, but yet nothing happens, that you're like, okay, where are we in this? Okay, yeah, nothing happened, so it's basically the same. Okay, yeah, the Green Goblin, right. Okay, Menace, yep, okay, they're still there. All right, good. And that's it. And if I feel like I'm reading this just to just to, to make sure it gets read instead of i got to know what happens. Oh, very well said, Andy. Oh. Very well said. Oh, Joe Cassata, are you listening to our podcast? Oh. <laughs> you tune in. Now, I, I am How a, awesome would that be to get a phone call from him? Like he leaves you a message. Hey, this is Joey Q, and you're great. <laughs> I, I am such a fanboy that I would, I think I would be like, oh, Joe called and explained the whole thing to me. It makes sense. I love it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I jumped on board when uh, everybody was calling him Joe Fisto. I thought that was clever. Uh-huh. But after the first week, I was like, "Okay, guys, let's you know, let's back off. He, he's got a job to do, and he's got a company yeah. to look out for." Like I've said before, I, I read these like they're real life. Meaning, sometimes I don't like what happens in my real life. So why would I enjoy everything that happens in every every Spider-Man issue? Like that's part of the fun for me. I enjoy not enjoying the issues because it makes it more real to me. Which may sound stupid, but that's the truth. I mean, I'm totally... I don't say a whole lot because everything you're saying, I'm just like, amen, amen, I agree, I agree. <laughs> well, I, I would love to hear when you disagree, and uh, I'll, I'll be sure to tell you. Like, like I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Th- that picture of Spider-Man, it was fantastic, and you said it wasn't good. So I, I'm going <laughs> to disagree with you. See, there we go, we disagreed on that. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to hit our Tinas, or do you have anything else? Sure, we can go ahead and start those. All right, all right. Um, I don't, I don't want to rush my you. First... I don't want to rush you. No, no, this is going to be a long podcast. That's fine. Is it really? Um, I haven't even been yeah, keeping track. Yeah, we started about an hour and 45 minutes ago. Oh, holy cow, you're right. Okay, all right. <laughs> I thought this one was going to be a quick right. one. <laughs> uh, this is a new Tina we haven't, we, uh, haven't done yet. And and this, I, I thought it was going to get a bigger reaction out of you, Jared, for this. But mine is show some respect. And this is for Ben telling Ryder's wife he was doing co-eds in the lab. To me, that's so disrespectful. Like, what in the world? Why would you tell somebody's wife that? Peter would never say that. Therefore, Ben would never say that. And even if you made the argument, like, he's a clone, and he, you know, like, nature versus nurture, like, he had all this stuff go on in his life, and so he's a different person. Yeah, I get that. But this was really early on in his exile, I'm assuming, and... Uh, it's just like, 
you would never say that. If you said that, it would be a slip of the tongue or something, and he would be embarrassed. And oh, it's just, it's so out of character. So number one, Ben, you need to show some respect. And number two, Guggenheim, you need to show some respect to the character of Ben. You got it. All right. <laughs> I'm totally on board with you. Totally on board with you. I had only skimmed that one. I, I uh, read the first couple pages, and then I just started skimming. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't really know what was going on. Okay. And, uh, so that's when you presented that part to me. I was like, what are you talking about? And it just kind of took me aback that you would say that to somebody? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Uh, that's ridiculous. That's ri- if anybody had said that to my wife, I would have I would have taken them in the other room and been like, dude, uncool. What's the problem? <laughs> What's yeah. your deal? All right. Anyway, your turn. All right. We've only got two Tinas this week, and you gave me a one. Uh, the other one I have is also a new Tina. It's Love Thing. I want to show you. That's because in these past three issues, Spider-Man is just like, what is he doing? He's just this love thing that all these women are after, Mary Jane and his ex-roommate and the lady at the DB, in the front line, and Black Cat. I was just waiting for Speed Freak to want to hang out with him. <laughs> it's just crazy. This is not Spider-Man. And he's supposed to be like, you know, this sciencey, dorky, kind of, I mean, decent looking, but kind of dorky in the classroom teacher nerd and he shouldn't have five four or five women after let alone in just three issues that's crazy no and you're right and if you if you go back and read all of brand new day he doesn't he's not flirting with any of these people like he doesn't there's no reason it never explains why Nora's into him and it never explains why Michelle is into him except that they got drunk so like then there's some connection that they they like each other and I mean that's uh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. I totally agree with you. So we had two new awards this week. Pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, trying to go down the list. I, I don't even think I wrote that one down. Which one which one was it? Love Thing. Love Thing. No, I don't I'm gonna have to dig up that song. I haven't made a clip for that one yet. From the nineteen ninety one Simply the Best Greatest Hits album. You are insane. From nineteen ninety one. Yeah, when Tina was this old and she when she was this young she's still young I'll cut all that out but um, but and this um, again you can visit our website marvel616politics.com email us do it listen and do it email do it marvel616 call the new phone number oh yeah yeah marvel616politics at gmail.com and our new phone number what is it Jared did you memorize it already it is 616-755-TINA. Woo! That's fantastic. I'm yeah. impressed. If you can remember that from two hours ago, then you listeners can remember it also. So call in, leave us a message. We'll play it on the air if it's appropriate. You know, you know. Uh, if you're making all these black cat innuendos, then I'm sorry. We don't do that. So. <laughs> yeah, Jackie, don't be calling. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Don't be calling and telling us that Black Cat's butt looks awful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
Chapman, you're a clone. You turn to dust. You're dead, and you're not coming back. And Ben Riley came back. So I'm interested to find out, I guess, how he came back because it's not like, you know, there wasn't a body or, like, no, I'm, I'm a quirk-free individual. No, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, Ben Riley isn't back? 